New York City is akin to an urban onion. With every skin one peels, another layer of time is revealed. And when it comes to transportation, there's a lot to be discovered. Although most associate the city with its iconic yellow taxis, subways, or grand historic terminals, there was a rather recent time when New York City had one of the world's most premium streetcar networks. And today, we will unearth its remains. I'm your host, Ryan Sokash, and you're watching its history. The development of New York's streetcar network directly affected the rapid progress of the city, but began with extremely primitive technology. Horse cars were operated in some districts of the city, with animals pulling the cars along rails, allowing riders to traverse the city and connect to railroads, ferries, and other forms of transportation. Some complained about the slow speed and the immense amount of waste left around the city by the new network. But generally, this service was an effective alternative for riders who would otherwise experience harsh weather conditions. The expansion of the horse car lines fostered the city's development along their corridors. As the Industrial Revolution took hold, new technologies became available. Shortly after the Civil War, the cable car was introduced in many American cities, replacing many of the horse car lines. The cable car operated by attaching a car to a constantly running cable underground. To stop, the operator would detach from the cable and apply the brake. Cable cars were large and faster than horse cars and provided an intermediary step in the development of the streetcar. However, cable cars also had major drawbacks. They were expensive to operate and maintain. Also, the cable propelled them at a constant speed and therefore could be quite deadly when rounding sharp curves. Thus, as a major form of transit in most cities, the cable car was short-lived, soon to be replaced by a new, far more efficient technology. By the late 1800s, electric generators and motor technology had advanced to the point where it was to be used as a power source for streetcars. In 1888, Richmond, Virginia became the first city to successfully electrify a streetcar line. The city of Brooklyn followed shortly thereafter, electrifying the Coney Island Avenue line in 1890. Subsequently, the remaining horse car and cable car lines were replaced by this innovative, highly efficient energy source. The last cable car line in New York City ended its run in 1905. The last horse car line ran all the way up until 1917. The new electric streetcar spread rapidly throughout American cities, becoming a dominant mode of urban transportation in most cities throughout the first half of the 20th century. Ultimately, the trolley companies began to face a number of problems. Remember, this was a time of expanding automobile ownership and increasing automobile traffic. Furthermore, local governments were becoming increasingly hostile to trolley operators. Track repairs were often hindered by demands on local transit companies to also repair adjoining streets. Simultaneously, municipalities made additional claims on their revenue. In New York, the nickel fare was mandated, despite inflation trends, making once profitable trolley lines into money-losing propositions. Of course, shortly after the city took over transit operations, the fare was raised. 
Perhaps the greatest factor in the demise of urban light rail was the action taken by national city lines of purposefully undermining rail transit operations. Jointly owned by General Motors, Standard Oil, and Firestone Tires, national city lines operated under the cover of small bus companies, systematically buying up privately owned streetcar companies, then replacing streetcars with fume-spewing, inefficient buses. Furthermore, national city lines lobbied local governments to eliminate trolley lines as a hindrance to street traffic. National City Lines was ultimately found guilty of criminal conspiracy to destroy the American streetcar system. Unfortunately, the damage had already been done. By the time of the verdict, 1950, most American trolleys were gone. Although National City Lines sought for the demise of these networks and made a real effort to entirely eradicate any evidence of their existence, the vastness of the network made them almost impossible to bury. New York City is still filled with remnants. You just need to know where to look. Most elements of the former network are hiding in plain sight. Hundreds, if not thousands of minor pieces such as poles, tracks, or inscriptions found on buildings. There are also plenty of cases of the streetcar network being repurposed for the use of modern day transport. However, I'd like to present you with some more magnificent examples. Let's start with the Queensborough Bridge trolley terminal that was once a highly trafficked portion of the network, serving passengers between 1909 and 1959. There was an entire loop track and underground terminal here. Trolleys from Queens would have come down what is now a pedestrian lane on the north side of the bridge. The tracks ran straight into the portal of the terminal. Now, a lone remaining kiosk in the bridge plaza stands near its original location. Parts are missing or broken, and it has no stairs within, just a solid concrete floor. But back in the day, passengers would have been loaded and trolleys exited towards 59th Street. The last known surviving bridge car is rotting away at the Trolley Museum in Kingston, New York. When it comes to depots, or car barns as they were known, we should visit Brooklyn, where there is a three-story brick building which takes up an entire block between 2nd and 3rd, 58th and 98th Street in Sunset Park. This humongous building once housed countless trolley cars, but now it's occupied by a variety of small businesses and industries. This depot was built for the Brooklyn City Railroad, which was first incorporated as a horse car line in 1853, and later by electrified streetcars. While many older trolley barns were demolished or turned into bus depots, this historic building, which handled lines from 2nd and 3rd Avenue, was compartmentalized for local use. Over in Queens are the ornamental remains of the former New York and Queens Railroad Company trolley barn. It was built in 1896, and the towers could be seen for miles. The railway building contained the largest car barn in Queens and serviced trolley cars from Flushing, College Point, Jamaica, and Long Island. Ironically, the place where the streetcars were housed is now a parking lot accommodating the same technology that made the entire streetcar industry obsolete in the first place. One building, now operated by a laundromat, still has the original company inscription in red. 
When it comes to some of the more subtle examples of the lost network, I didn't find a cohesive or up-to-date list of the areas where tracks are still visible. In many cases, it was like a Google Earth Easter egg hunt, with enthusiasts reporting track sightings just a few years back that have already been covered by fresh pavement today. On the flip side, when new pavement erodes after a harsh winter, segments of the track become available for sightings again. Near the approach to the Grand Avenue Bridge, it was once possible to see tracks poking out not that long ago, but now the impressions made by the track under the fresh pavement is all that's visible. On Johnson Avenue, between Union and Broadway, a small sliver has remained unpaved for decades, so you can see the former tracks for trolley line number 14, which traveled from Williamsburg all the way to Canarsie via Johnson Avenue. The line ended its service on May the 27th, 1951, and was severed from the rest of Johnson Avenue when the housing project was being constructed. Maybe the most moving sight of New York City's lost abandoned trolleys can be found on the Red Hook waterfront, tucked behind Fairway and the Beard Street warehouse, is the last remnants of an attempt to bring back trolleys to Brooklyn. Renowned urban explorer Bob Diamond dreamed of reviving the Red Hook trolley line that ran to the Atlantic Terminal and downtown Brooklyn. Diamond and his friend Georgie Costiello founded the Brooklyn Historic Railroad Association and through it collected 17 decommissioned trolleys sourced predominantly from Boston and Cleveland with one from Oslo, Norway dating back to 1897 and another from the Army Corps of Engineers. The organization also salvaged rails and constructed new tracks along the Red Hook waterfront. This was possible without government support due to the cooperation of George O'Connell of the O'Connell Organization, which owns and operates many of the historic buildings in the neighborhood. For a period of time, a one-mile loop of trolley track went from the warehouse into the Red Hook neighborhood along the Conover Street and Van Brunt Street. The pilot was short-lived, however, with the city determining that trolleys were not the best option for improving transit across Red Hook. Apparently, the project ended the second day Bloomberg was in office. The rail tracks were quickly removed and Diamond lost access to the warehouse. One trolley remains, the 3303 Boston T Green Line dating back to 1951. It has been painted blue in the last few years, but the T logo is still visible. The trolley car now reads no stops on its front place card. The doors are in rough shape and locked by chain and padlock. And long gone are the days when the public could enter the inside of the trolley. Now you might be wondering why a video about old random track fragments found around New York City is of any value. And I'd like to offer you my thoughts on that. Anyone who enjoys urban exploring understands that often the most graphic exhibition of time can be found within deterioration. And whereas major forsaken places such as Pripyat, Ukraine in the Chernobyl exclusion zone, or Centralia, Pennsylvania for that matter, makes a strong, very impactful impression on those who choose to visit or even research the topics, I'd argue that the subtle notion of decaying track fragments in the contrast of one of the world's richest cities is more of a commentary on vulnerability. That perhaps no matter how grand an idea, at some point things will peak and at some point things will fade. 
Only those of us who take the time to appreciate and observe little fragments of history, such as pieces of track in New York, can keep that memory alive, the zest of the time. Thank you for watching its history. If you enjoyed this video, make sure you see our episode about the lost Chicago tunnels, subscribe, and definitely consider supporting us on Patreon.